Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 22nd of September 2011. Always I begin the broadcast by advising you make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. All the sites listed there are the official sites. They all carry audios for download free and they also carry transcripts of other talks I've given for print-up. In English. Now, if you want them in other languages, go into Alan Watts Sentient, Sentinel.eu. You'll find that on the CuttingThroughTheMedias.com site, too. There's a link to it. And help yourself to the variety offered there. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you, because I don't bring on the advertisers as guests. And uh, it's up to you to keep me going. It's a suicidal way, but that's okay, because the patron saint of Scotland is the patron saint for lost causes. And, however, I came out in the beginning to try and get information out to the public to change the way they viewed what was happening just to them in each country and to show them this is happening across the world because we're international. We are global. We were bypassed somewhere along the way of growing up. And it was done through big international corporations working together, uh, working with intelligence agencies across the world and working with your government departments across the world too. We're interdependent global, as they say, and it didn't get to go through any vote for the public. It just was put a, a forth that way to us. We emerge one day, we wake up and find out we're in a global structure and we're, we're really following the dictates of big policymakers like Rand Corporation, the big think tanks that plan the future always, including how many they want down the road, how many they'll stuff into countries when they're overcrowded already for the present, and how many they'll re- reduce that to by the, t- the year 2050. Literally, we are run as a business, and uh, our lives are just part of the script. Everything that happens is just part of the script. And every, every negative thing that happens to you is part of the fallout as you, as you shuffle the whole planet and, and force it together. So help yourself to all those audios. I try to explain the corporations and the history of this and how it's been done. And from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to buy the books and discs I have at cuttingthroughmidgets.com, you'll find out how to do it on that site. But you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. You can also use send cash or you can use PayPal and you'll find the button on the cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and it tells you how to do it. Now straight donations are really welcome because things are, as I say, are tight right now. Been tight for a while actually. And as I say, this is not a business where I uh, simply hire a whole bunch of people to punch things on the screen for me. I do everything myself here. I have to find the stories. I have to look for them. I have to look them up, read them all, and toss a lot of them in the garbage because most stuff on the media is just filler and rubbish, actually. Great titles, great headlines, but nothing, no substance at all. So it takes. it's very time-consuming, and it's seven days a week. Now, 
I go into the history of this big system and how it uh, it didn't really evolve by its own. It was really promoted and built, you might say, by the big builders who build the society, who build the future. They used to go the big buzz term they used was builders. The big builders were building a future, were building a society, a world society. And today they have other terms for the same thing. But basically, globalism is what it's all about. And they knew before they started uh, the shuffles that they would have to take us through world wars. This is a long and old plan, you know, and get us on our knees, accept treaties, and through the treaties, and then through the United Nations, they'd bind us together bit by bit, kind of like lassoing a whole bunch of steers and pulling them all into a central point at the same time. And they do that economically by setting up private banks, the central banks, after amalgamating whole continents like Europe, and then they start dictating their new terms to you. And you wonder how you all got to this point. Back after these messages with more. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I'm talking about the big system of foundations, which really were set up as fronts for big, big banking families, very rich families, uh, so they wouldn't have to pay any taxes, and they put themselves under charitable foundations worth trillions of bucks, and they have armies of non-governmental organizations. Being in some of these org- uh, NGOs now is a lifetime career, right out, out of university, where you're, you're gar- it's just like being CEO of any other corporation, in fact, they are technically corporations, and they come out under the, the guise of speaking on behalf of the general public, even though most of them don't even, the public don't even know they exist. And there's no input from the public anyway. They're, they're, they run on agendas working with the big international corporations by altering society, altering opinion in society, by always having massive access, free access to all media, because that's, that's also part of the big corporate structure as well. And pushing the climate change nonsense and everything else that's going to change us and rule over us. But they also push for the integration of everything across the planet, all societies into global governance. And that's what they keep saying in all of their memos and dictates that they, they give to the public is, is governance, is, is a term they use. And it's the same term they use within the private corporations' governance. They're all part of the new governance of the world. And, of course, there's no vote at all. You must remember, too, a lot of this goes back to the other big think tank, one of the major ones, in fact, the Club of Rome. And the Club of Rome... Uh, it's nothing to do with the Vatican. It was just where they picked themselves to have a meeting, an international meeting, these particular bigwigs and scientists. And uh, they set up the system uh, with a, a, a political wing that would run all the NGOs and dictate to them with unlimited funding. And they also would dictate to governments all their findings. Many of them are appointed to governmental boards, uh, these members. And then they also have other offshoots from the Club of Rome uh, which they've set up, and these these other ones, it's like spawning children, basically they spawn other organizations which have uh, specialized parts to play in the big system that we're in today. But the Club of Rome said in one of their books in the 70s that they'd have to bring in a new authoritarian system to run the world. The democracy didn't work. It would have to be post-democratic, and that's what we are today. That was really uh, achieved in its, its final form by uh, 9-11, basically, 
and obviously 9-11 and, and the response to it across the world with the same laws going in at the same time means they'd already planned all this across the world because bureaucrats are not fast workers. They say that government and its departments moves around corners on square wheels, and that's true. So all the negotiations to get on board with the same anti-terrorism laws, the same frisk downs at airports, all this kind of stuff, uh, ID cards, had to have been arranged internationally over many years prior to 9-11 even happening. So, as I say, we're living through a script, you see. And uh, you have to go into the big uh, corporate meetings that they have to see what's going on because IBM's meeting uh, with uh, the Fortune 700 there too and they have all the biggest corporations on the planet there. Most of them uh, started off uh, either as part CIA or part MI6 because they have real corporations, you know, and, and the electronics fields and different, different areas. And uh, they become these big megalithic structures which still dictate governmental policies and so many of the speeches that they're coming out with over these last couple of days are about nothing but globalism and complete integration, complete interdependence. Now, we don't vote at all for these corporations. They all get funds from our tax money, by the way, as cash grants. And they actually are dictating the policies to government. Many of them as well have their members on the, the boards of government, these appointees that they have. So this is a new governance, as they call it, where they appoint people at the top uh, in science and in business and in banking, and they all work together because they're all uh, basically on the same path to the same global society. Now, it's interesting. I'll put some up tonight, some links that come out of the IBM meeting, because you get the immediate feeling, I hope you get the immediate feeling that you'll see how it's done. You're talking about something that Bertrand Russell talked about a long time ago, and he was a global player. Much of what you're living through today uh, was was organized by him, your whole lifestyle, your, your culture, the sexual promiscuity. He and uh, Julian Huxley helped work on, on, on the boards that dealt with that, how to give a new value, new music, everything to society. But uh, he also talked about eventually that the ruling class, he said, the elite, he meant... Intelligentsia, the ones that would come out of academia, especially chosen out of the right families, would go into and be corporate CEOs, and they'd merge this, this world together. But he said that eventually this ruling elite, this ruling class, would become a separate species. And technically, they have. You, you'll get the you'll you, you get the gist of the, the gist of this when you you read the, the stuff from the IBM. Some of the links I'll put up at cuttingthroughmatrix.com where they're talking to their own kind and they're talking about how they are leading the way through their technology and expertise to lead the world, change the world. And remember, with all these non-governmental organizations there with them too, who all come out of the Ivy League schools too, they're CEOs, by the way, uh, they are, uh, in, a, in a essence, a new form of new Soviet. Soviet was ruled by councils. And every area of society in the Soviet Union, all trades, all businesses, they all had a spokesperson that supposedly came out of the public. But in reality, they were, they were picked by the Politburo to speak on behalf of the people. Well, that's what the NGOs, that's their job today. And uh, they, they lobby governments, of course, and they lobby uh, anyone uh, who doesn't agree with them until they do agree with them. They're very powerful, powerful friends like IBM. And you'll see them talking 
uh, the different characters here at the top, about their own class and how proud they are of themselves being smarter and cleverer than everyone else and how they, they, they just guide the world and the rest of the world has to follow them because they're interconnecting the world in so many ways. Now, IBM is involved, remember, in everything in society from kindergarten and programs for them and delivery methods to all through school and college, university. Uh, they are through all avenues of media, uh, business, and that's why all the big businesses, uh, not just the, 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 the companies they mentioned here, but all big businesses, international, uh, are attending this meeting. It's like, a, it's like the, the goose there and there's all the little goslings falling behind. That's literally what it is. This is more important than when your governments meet. When your governments meet, they simply sign into law to make us behave in a certain way or do a certain thing or pay more money, which these companies have suggested to them. That's how they do it, through suggestions. That's where the polite people talk. You know, they don't order, they suggest, and it's done. So I'll put up Palmasano giving his talk and others. And as I say, they're very smug now because the whole push now is for total global integration. And that's, that's what Palmasana says. Clearly one fundamental, fundamental force of our age is the reality of global integration. He says, I use this term intentionally. We tend to hear the global part of that and we get very excited about the enormous growth opportunities in the so-called developing world. This is true. Companies in developed markets are chasing that growth, and certainly we are at IBM. And for companies, governments, and citizens in the developing markets, this is a historic opportunity to raise the living standards of billions of people. But it's not really. We know that. But, but perhaps in our excitement, we overlook the integration part of global integration. To state the obvious, we have never been more interconnected economically, Socially and technologically, our world has become a global system of systems, and that's different from being an assemblage of markets or nations or industries. We have global systems of transportation, energy, communication, finance, food and water, commerce, security, and more. See, your, your food and water is all global now, too. There's, there's no nations anymore, technically, according to these guys. This new reality requires new policies, approaches, and organizational forms regardless of your size or location. A second related force that is reshaping the world is digital network technology, but not in the way some have been looking about it or thinking about it. Smartphone and tablets, Facebook and Twitter, these things are wonderful, but they matter most not in and of themselves, but as parts of a broader system. This is the internet of things, the interconnection of it all, you see. So all of this is generating vast stores of information. It's estimated that there will be 44 times as much data and content coming over the next decade, reaching 35 zettabytes in 2020. A zettabyte is, is a one followed by 21 zeros. And thanks to advanced computation analytics, we can now make sense of the data in something like real time. But then it goes into... Uh, the future. Now, Jack's, it ties in with Jack Satali. See, everything that happens, all the big books are put out by players at the United Nations and others, like Jack Satali, with his winners and losers in the, in the coming New World Order, uh, is mentioned by this guy here years later. Years later. And because it's all the same agenda. But they talk about citizens don't want permanent jobs. You see? They see themselves as citizens of the world. There you go. It's world citizenship time, by the way. 
that they want their work and career to drive a higher purpose. This places new demands not only in companies, but on communities and cities. In the hyper-competitive global arena of the 21st century, the winners will be those who attract the most creative populations, who attract investment in future-facing capabilities, who provide infrastructure that only enables efficient commerce, but desirable lifestyles. So in other words, you'll see these vast movements of people, of the ones who can move, who have the the qualifications actually, the creme de la creme, uh, constantly moving across the world. Elal called them... Uh, Italy, I should say, called them the new nomads. They, they'd be, they'd be traveling across the world, never really with a, a city as a home, except for a short space of time while they work for the big corporation that, that employs them, just hopping from place to place, but living high on the hog. And, uh, the rest of the public, of course, are going off in life rafts looking for jobs abroad and probably getting turned back by their own navies. But that's, that's the world they've got lined up and they think it's just wonderful. And you understand, the public don't drive society and the changes. It's all done for you. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix. I thought I'd let the guitar wail a bit there because uh, as we're all become interconnected and globalized and crushed together, you want to wail once in a while for all that's really lost. But uh, here's an article here too, but a little bit the fallout too. It says China took almost 10,000 jobs from Maine. It says Maine has lost 9,545 jobs to China since the communist nation entered the World Trade Organization 10 years ago. That's according to a report by the Alliance for American Manufacturing, which figures that China's unfair economic subsidies, currency manipulations and inhumane labor practices have resulted in 2.8 million U.S. jobs either lost or displaced. Well, that's, that's, that's been a lot more than that, actually, an awful lot more. Same in Canada, too. They concluded that 1.45% of lost jobs in Maine were due to trade with China. Other states in the region fared worse. New Hampshire lost 19,700 jobs, or 2.84% unemployment, and Vermont saw 2.39% of jobs slip away. Overall, around 170,000 jobs in New England were eliminated from trading with China. That's greater than the population of Portland, Lewiston, and Bangor, and Maine's three largest cities combined. Just recently, as we reported in the Exception magazine, Senator Olympia Snow and Congressman Mike Michaud both called on President Obama to make sure America's trading partners play by the rules. What a joke. The rules are all by the World Trade Organization, if you haven't read them, because it's a win-win situation for China. It's a one-way street where they give all the grants from the first world countries to build up all of their factories, etc., and bring American factories over. You paid for all with your tax money, set them up, and even pay for what they say is losses incurred during that time period for up to 10 years or 15 years, and it can be renewed for another 15 years. Plus, they want to ship out stuff to China back to the U.S. They pay no taxes in China for about 15 years. What a deal, eh? Who's going to stay in the U.S.? Anyway... I'll put this link up tonight, and again, it's part of, well, it's just part of the globalization led by private corporations all working together. And that's something I've been saying for an awful long time, 
that uh, you think they're all private and completely separate, absolute rubbish, rubbish, because you can't get CEOs leading one competitor and popping into the next boy's uh, business and becoming uh, you know, the main competitor and becoming the CEO there. But they do it all the time, like like musical chairs, which means really there's no competition at the top. Many of them are, are really uh, fronts or subsidiaries of the same corporations. We're in the world of massive deception, of course, and the way the, the ones who had to be deceived were the general public all along, of every country, every country, to, to make sure this happens. And getting back to the Club of Rome, they said, we're bringing in, remember, a post-democratic system because there were too many conflicting parties all streaming for different things that you could never get anything actually done. So the parallel government, which is the, the one that Thatcher talked about, Quigley talked about the ones that belong to, say, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Council on Foreign Relations, the technocrats that move behind the scenes, they get the things done, they're not voted in, and they're not responsible to the public. Same thing now with the privatization of many of your public assets, things that the taxpayers built up, water supplies, even forestries, all this, they're selling them all off, and... Um, and what they do then is, is when you complain, well, we're not getting enough now, it's so expensive. Well, the government says it's not ours, this is private. Well, it used to be yours. That's part of the reason they ditched it, so you, you don't complain to the government. We can't do anything, it's not as private. You see? And that's how the world is really, really run. And when it's all gone down, they keep us occupied with coming disasters and crisis. I'll mention two I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughmage.com. Operation Mountain Guardian Ex- Emergency Exercise. It's being held on the 23rd. Uh, that's tomorrow. Uh, Operation Mountain Guardian is a terrorism-based full-scale emergency exercise scheduled to take place in numerous locations in Denver metro area Friday, September 23rd. The exercise will involve first responders from 81 different agencies. It will be conducted at 10 separate locations and will include loud noises, simulated weapons, I guess fire, they mean smoke, emergency vehicles and other equipment that will be audible and visible throughout the day. So that's what you're left to when, when the big boys at the top in New York right now, the ones who plow through all the people crossing the roads, which they're actually they're doing with these cavalcades. They don't stop at lights or anything. They just kind of look out their, uh, their, their enclosed little world. It's all of you, you know, the, the beggars in the street. And it's quite something. Nothing's changed as far as I'm concerned. Nothing has changed from the times of feudal system. And, of course, we're in a in feudal system today. It's always been here under the guise, uh, this little cover, this camouflage, this shield that they gave themselves called democracy until you figure it out yourselves. And I'm also putting up a couple of links to... This is quite amazing, actually. It's to do with um, <laughs> like the new climate scare, you know. Uh, it's quite something. Uh, they, remember, too, I guess when all their meetings come up, they already said that uh, whenever the meetings are coming up and they want more money, they always give up scary scenarios, and it's just getting crazier and crazier. And this article here is from Reuters. It says, new research, new research to be published in the journal Climatic Change in November. It sounds like something at a porno magazine, isn't it? That's how they used to say it, climatic, you know. Suggests humankind may also have to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere on a vast scale if emissions keep rising after 2020. The series of articles provides scenarios which will form the basis of the next report by the United Nations. Oh, it's an intergovernmental panel on climate change. What a racket that is, isn't it? But Mr. Pochori, the ex-railway driver, you know, that's what he was too. And now he's got all these businesses in India 
Trump and getting grants from emerging nations, his private businesses, coal plants too, where he's pumps. Oh, what a, what a hypocrites. But they all are. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And talking about this, this nonsense with their carbon, which is one of the, a tiny fraction of the atmosphere. But, of course, it doesn't matter. It's the, only, it's the one that they pick because... The Club of Rome were given the task back in the 70s uh, to find uh, something that would unite mankind, get cash off them as well, lots of cash to hand out across the planet to their corporations and so on. And it says, we came upon the idea of global warming, starvation and hunger across the world, droughts, etc. That would fit the bill. That's what they said. That's in their own book, actually. And they've never, once they make a plan, you see, they never deviate from it. That's why it's good to read the stuff that they churn out. But getting back to this article here about uh, churning out all the, the CO2, this is a, a, I'm going to go to what's up with that blog. And it says, at present emission levels in less than 20 years, the sky would effectively be full. Wow. The sky would be full. Can you imagine that? The sky would be actually full. And then it would fall. It would fall, a big clump, I guess, all over us and turn us all black. And that would be it, you know. Then we can all start again, maybe, or use the carbon for batteries or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's the rubbish they're telling us. And, and they keep churning out this, this tripe all the time. Uh, and uh, because, understand, getting back to what Bertrand Russell said, eventually the ruling class will be a separate species. I mean, you, you can imagine how they get up in the morning. They don't dress themselves. They're dressed by their butlers and their, and their servants. And they float through life, and they kind of look down always on society from private jets and things like that, skyscrapers. They're not used to having to be on the ground level and plow through the peasantry like they're doing in New York right now going to their meetings, at the UN and at the IBM meeting. So um, the, the topics of conversation from, from the minute they're born right through their lives, it's a vastly different worldview. On every aspect than you have, they don't get the indoctrination and the, and the terrible schooling that you get. Uh, they get what's really happening in the world, and they are technically a separate species as far as their mindset goes, no doubt about it at all. Plus, they're generally inbred psychopaths as well. But um, that, that's the way it is. That's the way it really is today. It's been that for a long time. And as they're doing that too, I've mentioned before that part of it, what they had to do was destroy society. They've done it in a thousand ways. Uh, and it went through the whole uh, manifesto, the communist manifesto, one after another, destruction of the family unit. That was the thing that bound folk together. And even in the communities, it was the families, collection of families that would fight for each other, stand up. But not anymore. It's all gone. And the depopulation program, which they admit is, is a fact for native Britons and native everything else, they've all been plummeting. And they bring in the vast uh, hordes of immigrants from third world countries to make it look like you're overcrowded. That's the reason for it. Another reason, of course, is to pay off your national debt because we're not breeding enough children to pay off the debt. Most aren't having children. So as they, they do this and they give you degrading uh, stuff to watch on television and they degrade your culture from uh, a value-oriented system to a, a chaotic, uh, almost 
uh, fall of Rome type scenario, then you see these things happening, disgusting things in society, and they emulate the crap that they see on television. And it really is. It's the most degrading stuff you'll see on television. This is weaponized. Understand the whole culture projection industry is weaponized. So here's what's happening in Britain. Police will take no action over cage fighting bouts involving children aged just eight and nine. Now, it's the cage fighting was a thing that came out of the science fiction movies, and then of course the folks started to emulate them with kung fu and karate, etc. Uh, and and but now they're doing it in, in workmen's clubs for the labouring classes to go and laugh at. And it says that uh, police will take no action against a club that staged barbaric cage fights involving children as young as eight, but, but the club faces a license review by the council. In other words, it's okay. It says concerns were raised about whether two boys were put at risk by taking part in a bout at Greenland's Labour Club in Preston, Lancashire, that's a working man's club, in front of a 250-strong adult audience. The city council is investigating whether any license conditions were breached, and there was petty stuff, you know. But a spokesman for the Lancashire Police said today the force had looked into the matter fully and there are no issues for us to pursue. Because it's taken like a joke, you see. Because they actually have this, these kickboxing clubs in, so you can sit and watch blood running as you drink your beer in some of the clubs. Kicking, shoving and grappling each other to the floor, the youngsters were filmed competing in cage fighting contests in front of a baying mob of hundreds of adults enjoying a night's entertainment. So it's come down to this for a night's entertainment. And it said that um, uh, it was pretty brutal. Uh, so one of the boys was crying, etc. Yada yada. It says the shocking images showed the primary schoolish boys fighting with no padding, headguards, or protection of any kind of what critics have described as a circus performance. And in a nod to adult bouts, a scantily clad model parades around the ring while the youngsters wait to start fighting. So there's your porno bit. This is getting to the porno. Uh, sadomasochism, and we really have no value for life now anyway, especially young life, uh, so I'm not surprised, this, it has to go this way and it'll catch on like wildfire and they'll have a good laugh uh, uh, except for a few people, maybe who've still got a modicum uh, and a few molecules or brain particles left, who will think what's this leading to? What is this leading to? That you're laughing at it. So of course, the, the, the owners and people who attended probably had a good time, according to the, whatever they're into these days, which is pretty debased. And I've no doubt they actually thought they did have a good time. But that's how society goes down. And that's why it makes it easy for the big boys at IBM and the big uh, corporations and intelligence agencies, which are all part of the same structure, uh, working together, how they have no, no worries about handling the general public as they take us down further and further and further, because they've got a lot to do to us yet, you know. It isn't just the degradation we're at right now. As I say, where we, we literally, there's more children aborted by, say, native Britons and, and Americans in our, their live births. And they keep complaining about immigrants, but they're only ones having children. And it's all about having children. The future has to go on, you see. And... As I say, you just can't get past of it, past it at all. I'm also looking at um, an article here by Wise Up, and it's very interesting. It's to do with your auto, your, with your immune system and how it goes haywire basically after vaccines. And it says, what exactly is the role of antibodies? When you're, you get an infection, such as the flu, the body produces antibodies to attack that specific virus and your infected cells. 
They're like an amazing mob of mindless warriors roaming around your body that have been programmed on what to search and destroy. Under the microscope, they look like the letter Y when you see them individually. When they find an infected cell, they've been searching for the tips of the Y lock onto it, just like horns, and this allows the immune system to strike the infected cell or virus. But are they better at searching than Microsoft Windows? So he compares it with Windows. Antibodies at times can have similar proficiency at identifying its target as a witness at a criminal lineup or as Microsoft Windows search file. The immune system responses to the introduction of its environment of foreign components and viral antigens injected or otherwise by producing different antibodies imprinted with particular sequences that match all of these foreign pollutants. Antibodies find their target by looking for the target's sequence code. And then again, he compares it to Microsoft Windows. For example, uh, they have a sequence code too. If you put in ration into the, uh, for, a, for a file name, ration, R-A-T-I-O-N, it would generate a list, but it would also have uh, rationale, you see, because it doesn't know the difference. It's, like a, it's just a computer. And it's the same with when it comes down to your, your, your antibodies as well. Now remember, when they inject uh, live viruses into you, some of them will say, well, they're half dead uh, or, or, or so on. They're actually synthetic. They've been altered by the same techniques they use for viral warfare. That's where it all started, these big labs. And I don't know if that came with your vaccinations. But um, they're synthetic. And when, they, when something goes wrong, they can actually take your blood samples or tissue samples, and they'll find that, that synthetic virus, and they can actually tell you which lab it came from. I don't know if people know that. Anyways, it says, um, but an antibody doesn't have a brain and encounters similar problems as the, uh, as the computer does when the body is injected with viral antigens along with other material that may have entered the bloodstream in human, uh, never entered the, the bloodstream in human history until recently. A relatively healthy person who's been injected with a vaccine for an illness does not have, uh, he does not have, and one of his components or additives has a sequence code. And it gives you an example of, of the sequence code. This person also happens to have healthy cells with a structural similarity, and it gives you the code again. The immune system is fooled by the person's body, uh, that, is, that has fooled the person's body, has just been infected with those components. Just like a computer, it doesn't tell you what's friendly or unfriendly. I'll take them all as unfriendly. The hordes of antibodies that have been created shortly have nothing to do and can make mistakes turning on who's healthy, uh, again, the code cells they are. Thus, in the medical world, it's called molecular mimicry, and it causes autoimmunity. Now, in other words, um, because basically uh, they're intelligent enough for, for nature, believe you me, your antibodies, but uh, when you, you put synthetic uh, viruses into the bloodstream that are not known in, in nature, uh, plus they give them all these different uh, uh, other chemicals to make it more effective, supposedly. Um, it, it fools your body, and it makes them hypersensitive to everything they should not even bother about. It doesn't know what it's attacking. Eventually, it starts attacking your own body, your joints, everything. Arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis is the most common one after these shots. Now you, now you have juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, which is now normal. It was unheard of before, but now it's now normal, you see. Autoimmunity sounds good, doesn't it? Immunity means you're protected against a disease and autoconveys, it occurs automatically. But in the language called medical speak, autoimmunity is bad. The U.S. government's National Center for Biotechnology Information Database lists medical research that was published in the Journal of Autoimmunity, February 2000, which stated measles and anti-hepatitis B virus 
and multiple sclerosis, MS, brain antibodies as well as clinical symptoms have been found in patients vaccinated against those diseases. Other autoimmune illnesses have been associated with vaccinations such as tetanus, toxoid, influenza vaccine, polio vaccine and others have been related to phenomena ranging from autoantibodies production to full-blown illness such as rheumatoid arthritis. Literally, your, your immune system because it's taking something foreign in that doesn't occur in nature, um, literally uh, creates armies and armies of your white blood cells to go out and attack something it doesn't understand, and it, it ends up attacking its own. Like a, it's like robots have been hit on the head, you know, basically in the movies. They start doing crazy things, and they'll attack your own system, your tissue, especially connective tissue and the joints. But it'll also get to your brain, and people end up in massive agony for the rest of their lives with it. And once it's happened, they say they don't know how to stop it. I'm sure they do at a very high level, very high level. I'm, I'm certain they do. And, of course, Gardasil is found to, to do similar things, too. There's been girls come down with rheumatoid arthritis. That's for life, folks. That's a degenerative disease. So molecular mimicry, when a structural similarity exists between some viral antigen or other component of the vaccine and a self-antigen, this similarity may be the trigger to the autoimmune reaction. Some autoimmune phenomena are clearly related to immunization, such as Julian Barr's syndrome. It's from the Journal of Autoimmunity, February, February the 2000, Vaccination and Autoimmunity uh, Vaccinosis, a Dangerous Liaison. And I give the links to these official government sites and medical sites who came out with all this, these diagnoses. Structurally similarity confused antibodies causes the immune system to attack the body, damaging a large variety of parts, also, which also include vaccine-induced antibodies attacking brain cells and bone joints. If you have an autoimmune disease, your immune system attacks your healthy cells in your body by mistake. Autoimmune diseases can affect many parts of the body. That's from the U.S. National Library of Medicine, 2011. And the link is for that, too, from the government. Why are antibodies so stupid? Well, they aren't. Some vaccines are are weakened live viruses and some are dead. However, vaccines manufactured for the Western world are not supposed to give people the disease. Sometimes they fail even with that. Sometimes you do end up with the disease. And remember, too, they're synthetic. It means that they've altered them. Pharmaceutical marketing literature expresses that vaccines are designed to cause the immune system to produce antibodies as if the host did have the disease without actually getting it. You can imagine it's like the global warming. Some vaccines include additives to manipulate the immune system as adjuvants, they call them, into producing an even larger response. Vaccine additives and other components have never been injected into the bloodstream until the 1950s, and those ingredients were not supposed to be in there. This man-made problem causes the antibody to become confused, as compounded by your own immune system being manipulated to oversaturate itself with antibodies for a whole host of illnesses you don't have. And by the way, you shouldn't get them all at the same time. It's unheard of in nature. You'd never get 20 different things wrong with you at one time. It knocks out your immune system. You understand, they're taught now in medical school that everyone, everyone today, the students going through medical school, medical school, all taught that all humans today have compromised immune systems. And that's normal. Like, it's a new normal, you see, since vaccination started, as is massive allergies for everything. The children of today have more antibodies running around their bodies with nothing to do uh, than their parents have. Shockingly, a baby living today in the UK or Ireland can expect in their first 12 months to receive 27 vaccination doses within the first 12 months. 
in nine vaccine syringes with more to follow. Some syringes are six-in-ones. American children get injected even more. But if getting injected with foreign material causes autoimmune diseases and almost the entire population receives so many vaccines, how many how come autoimmune diseases are not a major problem? I heard the laxatistical intellectuals grumble. Well, says they are the leading cause of death and disability. That's from the U.S. government's Women's Health 2011. And on autoimmune diseases, they are one of the leading causes of death and problems. Children of the United States of America are afflicted to a high degree by autoimmune disorders. That's from the Arthritis Foundation. It created Patient Alliance and the AGA. Council made the decision to be the first to transition to being the Juvenile Arthritis Alliance. That was enthusiastically approved by the Arthritis Foundation Board of Directors in 2006. An important change increased the Arthritis Foundation's focus on the 300,000 children with juvenile arthritis. This is something that was completely unknown when I was small. Overstimulated immune systems also create allergies. 40% of adults now have allergies, up from 15% in the 1990s. The number of children with food allergies has tripled in a decade. That's from the Daily Mail, April 2009. And links on that too. This is like the marvelous hydrogen airships or the ever-useful asbestos. Vaccine technology used today will eventually be thrown out by the wayside in the future down the road. But who knows how many decades and millions of children it will take. I don't think they'll, they'll discard it, actually. I think it's one of the biggest techniques of maiming and disabling and killing people. Remember, too, when they had their big world meeting way back in the, in the, in the 60s, uh, they said, and, and this, this led to Kissinger putting out his particular little bill there to bring down the population as an enemy to the state overpopulation. They decided that they would take down the, the Africa and some third world countries quickly. And I'm sure they did it through vaccination and starvation, too, of course. And, and the West has said we would catch on if, if we all started having massive kill-offs at once. So they said they would take down slow by crippling diseases. It would also put them out of the, the marriage market as well. Who wants to marry someone who's sick all the time? That's why you've got these disabling diseases. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just before I take a caller, just to add on to that last article, uh, as the same mentioned, they found the antibodies in the brain. And of course, uh, should, they shouldn't be there unless there's a real infection. Uh, so they're, they're getting into the brain and you wonder why there's all this attention deficit and a whole bunch, whole range now of autistic uh, orders, uh, disorders. These all came out after the first inoculations and got worse steadily with, with uh, the increasing inoculations of children. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. No doubt. It's no big detective work to figure out what happened before and what happened afterwards and compare the two. Now, there's, there's uh, Dave from the UK hanging on the line there. Are you still there, Dave? Hi, Alan. Yes. Hi, Alan. Go ahead. Hi, Hi. how are you? Not too bad, yeah. Hi, um, um, I, I just want to, um, um, to keep this short. Um, I just want to encourage everybody to donate and to help support uh, Mr. Watt. And uh, I'll definitely be putting an order through with some of your books and CDs and DVDs, definitely. Um, I just wanted to talk about...
partnership? Have you heard of the Trans-Pacific Partnership? It's a treaty. Yeah, yeah. You have, I, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link tonight up on that, in fact. And again, that's more jobs going to fly out to the cheapest countries, cheapest labour countries. And they're lumping more and more countries into this agreement now uh, across the whole Pacific. And they're, they're bringing New Zealand and Australia into it as well. So it's going to be one way trip from uh, the countries of, of uh, raw materials to third world countries. And we'll pay for them coming up again as we go down again in this milieu of bankruptcies and high costs of living and so on. So you're quite right. It's going to be a big, big one. It's going to affect everyone again. They're determined, you see, to bring what were the first world nations down because, you see, the, the new super corporations are the new masters of the world. Uh, they are the CEOs of the world, the captains of the ship. And when they're not in their captain's positions and as a CEO of a private corporation, they jump into politics and become the CEO of countries. This is what they talk about. This is what they mean by the new world order. And they have the right to distribute the goods across the planet and the costs of living across the planet and eventually the free flow of labor passing from one country to another looking for work. That's what it's all about. And for those at the bottom, Believe you me, like Jack Satali says in uh, the Millennium, the book called Millennium, Winners and Losers in the New World Order, um, it's going to be hell, absolute hell. You see, we are basically at the bottom. You're, you're now classified as obsolete. That's it. I, I think I Jack Satali yeah. on um, France 24 just recently. He was talking about Greece. Mm-hmm. He's quite old. Yes. And, uh, he's talking about uh, the debt crisis and something like that. I was going to... Mm-hmm. Something to do with um, how it's going to affect the, the globe, and it's time for great, uh, greater integration for the Europe mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, use right. the... That's right. You see, they always create the crisis. It's all bogus, by the way. Money itself is bogus the way it's run, but uh, it's all bogus. But they're using it, and the IBM meeting was saying the same thing. Uh, we can use every crisis to our advantage. In other words, this is, they need the crisis to get the next part of this global integration together. And, and that's the purpose of bringing on the crisis. But uh, as I say, you, you've only got a few central banks running the world now, and uh, they're amalgamating into one central bank. I'll put a link up tonight, too, where one of the, the chief uh, gurus in Germany actually calls for the United States of Europe again. They do this every few years, and it says with the one central banking system running the whole kit and caboodle, no more central. They're, they're all amalgamating into the one central bank system for every country, end of nationhood, end of sovereignty. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. And remember to donate and help me out here, buy the books, etc. Keep me going. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.